Hey, I'm Verite, and you're listening to Anatomy of an Artist, a podcast about people, the art they create, and the business behind their art. Hello, and welcome back to the season finale of Anatomy of an Artist. First, I want to thank you so much for listening along and really being a part of this journey with me. My final guest is artist and songwriter Olivia O'Brien. Olivia and I got to talk about how her songwriting allows her to process her emotions and her experiences, and how she uses symbolism to build worlds for her projects. We talked about how she navigates maintaining her own creative autonomy while being signed to a major label, and how she maintains her sense of self in the era of social media. I really hope you guys enjoy this final conversation, and good night. It's been a fucking wild year. So how are you? And I'm just really curious, have has this last year changed your trajectory or where your ambitions lie or has it just been a nice respite? completely changed everything about my career and my life completely changed everything uh right before lockdown I was on tour I was halfway through my tour and I had to go home I had to cancel it I lost a ton of money because I'm I fund my tours myself I think it's crazy because people don't like understand what goes into everything as an artist like I just like people will ask me questions and I'm I'm like you really think that that's how like not in like a rude way like they have no way why should they know but uh, people tell me like how they view things they're like I get so confused. I'm like, how is it that you're seeing this and my life and the things that I do so differently than like what I, what it, it, the reality is? Like people think I make so much money when I go on tour and I don't. It's like you don't make a lot of money until you're like a huge artist on tour. So yeah, it was it was rough. And then I was I was supposed to play Coachella and I was supposed to put out a project and all of this stuff and just nothing. Nothing happened. We didn't do any of it. It felt super weird to put out music when everything was happening because everyone's like not having a great time so you don't want to put something out and be like hey pay attention to me even I know you just lost your job (laughs) in your life but like hey here's my song like it's just not the vibe and then once I started putting out music again I was kind of over the songs that I was gonna put out and then I was making more music again wrote a whole album and then uh the president of my label left and so now I put out the first half of my album without knowing what was really going to happen. And now I'm not putting out the second half for a really long time because we don't have a president on my label and nothing's happening. And uh, yeah, it's really, it's been like, this is not how I thought my year, my past two years would go at all. But uh, yeah, I mean, what can you do? <laughs> it's interesting that you say that people have such skewed perceptions of what it is to be an artist, what it takes to build a career and all of the intricacies. Cause I was also on tour and and we got like 10 shows in and pulled the plug. And especially now going back on tour, there's this sense of, Oh, well you should be like so excited and not hesitant. And I'm like, I lost so much money and momentum. And so it's scary to kind of put yourself back out there in that way and honestly that's why I started this podcast because there's a lot of misconceptions obviously 
from a fan level, but also from artists interfacing with artists. Um, and so the idea is to have these sort of candid conversations where people can learn more about what actually goes into building a project and all of the messy shit that maybe we don't post on socials and we don't talk about because it's complicated and strange and sometimes uncomfortable. And it's not what people like would expect or it's not like when I was a kid, I definitely didn't think that this was what it would be like if I were to be, you know, a singer or whatever you want to call it, recording artist, whatever. Um, but yeah, it's crazy. And also, I'm I'm a little nervous to go on tour again, not just because I lost a bunch of money and it was scary, but because what if we go back into another lockdown and then I just spent even more money <laughs> on this whole tour that I'm getting so excited about. And like, I, that's really frightening. And it's frustrating because I like, like, if everyone got vaccinated, like we'd be chilling because no one would be in the hospital. Like people are still going to get COVID regardless. I think COVID is going to be a problem that we, is around for a really long time. But if everyone was vaccinated, like the, we would, the hospitals wouldn't be filling up again. Like mask mandate just got um, reinstated in California or in Los Angeles County at least. And so it's scaring me. Like I have an LA show in the end of August. Like, well, I'm going to throw out all of the positive vibes for your tour, for my tour. We're just, right, we're going to for everyone. Do our, yeah, for everyone's tour. We're all just banking on, like, this happening. I really, really hope it does. I also feel like people aren't going to want to go back into a lockdown again because we're just tired. Like, I feel like there's, like, if something does happen, people are just going to, like, not go inside or something crazy is going to happen because if you lock people up for two years they go crazy. Like they have to, right? I don't know. I'm nervous. <laughs> we need some sort of release and some sort of uh, return to like a semblance of normalcy. But I do think that this last year has maybe subverted what that normal is, especially within the music industry and the idea that maybe some things are going to shift and certain, you know, ways that we do things uh like later on i definitely want to talk about your release strategies with all of the micro mixtapes and and kind of the segmented albums because i do think that when you have such a profound shift in doing business as right just like the day-to-day -day, it forces you to be innovative um with with how you move forward but anyway i want to go back to the beginning because earlier you said that your career now was not what you envisioned it would be if your younger self was imagining it. And so when you were younger, did you have an idea of success for yourself and what you envisioned you would be? Um, I kind of went back and forth between wanting to do a lot of different things. I had a lot of passions. Um, I was, I really loved school. I was a big nerd. So I always would find something else that I was obsessed with and obsess over it for a little while and then get over it. Like I found books that I, um, had written in when I was like little notebooks from middle school and stuff. And I would write like every, it, you'd have to write about like what you want to be when you're older. I've said, I said, I wanted to be a teacher. I said, I wanted to be a psychologist, um, a lawyer. I wanted to be a lawyer for a long time. But when I was really little, I, I, I was like, oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be an actress and a singer and a dancer. I'm going to do it all. And a fashion designer. That's what I wanted to do. And then as you get older, you know, you, you meet 
kids that aren't exactly the nicest and they tell you, oh, you can't do that. That's no, you know how many people become a singer and are successful? And even adults will tell you that. They're like, oh, no, you won't make any money if you become an artist or whatever. So I I gave up on that idea by the time I was like 10, 11. In the back of my mind, it's kind of what I always wanted to do. But um, I gave up hope on that because I just didn't think it was possible. And then I started singing for fun and it just kind of happened for me, which I think is pretty, pretty cool. And to me, it felt like uh, fate or something that was supposed to happen because it happened so organically. Um, and not that, that it has to happen that way for everyone. I think people who work really hard obviously deserve it the most out of anyone. But if I didn't have that push immediately of like, oh, this is already happening, I wouldn't have ever had the confidence to do it because I would have been too afraid of failing and too afraid that I wouldn't be able to do it in general. So yeah. I don't know if I answered the question. I kind of just went on for a while. No, you definitely did. So you started writing music initially just alone in your room. And I'm curious, the first song you wrote, do you remember what the setting was and kind of when you made the connection from A to B that like, oh, writing is a cathartic process for me to kind of funnel emotions out I would have been like six or seven years old I don't remember I found old notebooks from when I was I think around seven because my handwriting was better than like a (laughs) six-year-old um I have this little purple and yellow notebook in my mom's garage and it says live songs on it and it's just all these (laughs) like stupid I couldn't remember the melodies if I my life depended on it but it's just all these little lyrics that are and they're all so dumb obviously they're written by a seven-year-old but I've, I've always loved writing songs. I went to Montessori school when I was little. So we would have like circle time where we like play the little drums and do the little music thing. So music was always introduced to me or it was introduced to me at a young age. Um, my sister always loved singing. She was in choir. So I kind of just sat in the background and I didn't really tell anyone that I that I did this. I also was really into creative writing in general. Um, like I would write stories and things. So song, I've just kind of, I don't even remember the moment that like I started writing songs. It's just always been something I did. And then when I started actually like writing was probably when I was around 13, like I would actually, like I would play chords and I would like record them on my phone and that kind of stuff. Um, And that, I think I started writing, the first song that I really remember like actually the melody to and everything, um, I think it was called Blue. And it was about my first crush in high school and he had blue eyes, and it was like, now I'm blue, 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 like the color of your eyes. You don't know, but you made me cry. <laughs> it was so funny. And my friends were like, this is the best song ever. You're so good. It was not good. Honestly, I'm into that. <laughs> I'm, I'm into that. I'm into that melody. The first song I wrote was called The Rant, and it was just like the first time I had ever written anything, and it was just five pages of insanity that eventually I distilled into like a three song, a three chord folk song. And, but it's just, I just remember those moments specific. I was just like, oh, this is the thing. Like I've been searching for the thing and this is it. Uh, but there was no hook in that song. It was literally a rant. I mean, those are um, like my favorite songs sometimes. You can literally just say whatever you want. You don't have to, it doesn't have to like come to any kind of like accumulation. <laughs> like it's just done. Like it's just, you just say whatever you want. It's like, that's actually therapy. Yeah. It's the, it's getting the emotion out. And then it's like the catharsis of, all right, it's out of me. It can exist somewhere. But 
what was your motivation to take the songs that you were writing to then put them on SoundCloud? Because that's kind of how, if, if we're going to use the term like, quote unquote, discovered, um, but kind of how you made the transition from writing songs by yourself to the broader music industry. Um. Well, it was kind of like I didn't really post my original stuff. I was mainly posting covers and then I posted two original things I think on SoundCloud and it was I literally recorded them on my phone like I didn't even use GarageBand like I literally pressed record on SoundCloud and stopped it and like cropped the ends off it was the least professional thing I've ever done in my life um and I remember I had them up for a couple days and we went on a field trip to San Francisco and the this boy in the back of the bus was playing the songs and just like making fun of me. So the first thing I did when I got home from the field trip was delete all of them. I kept on my covers, but I deleted all my original stuff. Um, and yeah, it just, I, I didn't have the confidence after that to post anything except for covers. I was really nervous about my songwriting. And I didn't like think anyone would want to hear it. And then I did a cover of the Nash song. He had one song out at the time and he heard it, invited me to a show asked me if I had original stuff and I just sent him, I hate you, I love you. And um, he was like, let's record this, I really like it. So I went down to LA, recorded it. We put it on SoundCloud on his account. Um, and that was really the first like original song that I didn't delete, that I kept up for more than 24 <laughs> hours. Um, so yeah, I honestly like, and, and I wouldn't have gone, I wouldn't have made any more original stuff if that song didn't have the success that it did. Cause I needed, I needed the push. I needed to believe that people like wanted to hear what I was saying or that I was like actually good. And it wasn't just my friends telling me that in my room. So. <laughs> well, first off, fuck that dude in the back of the bus. What a dick. What was your perception of the music industry when you stepped into it? And so, cause it, it feels like a jump and obviously it kind of propelled you into signing and a full team and like really a full career. Yeah, I mean, I was like 15 when I wrote I Hate I Love You and like 16 when I signed everything. So ever since, because my, my mom always knew that I wanted to like, you know, do all this stuff. And um, she kind of always tried to stop me. She She's really afraid of of me like going off the rails for some reason, even though I've always been a good kid. She always thought that I would like, if I ever got into the entertainment industry, I would move to LA and start doing drugs and end up on the street or something like she would always tell me that the number one thing as soon as I popped out of the womb that my mom said to me is we have addiction in our family we have addiction in our family you can't ever do anything bad you can never do anything um and then she would tell me horror stories about like oh I know someone who thought she was gonna become this big star and then the industry ruined her life and she got an eating disorder and she hated herself but like I all I heard ever was horror stories so I feel like I was always prepared for the worst I was always like okay everyone's gonna try to take advantage of me everyone's gonna do this and it's all gonna be scary so like the first thing I got before my label before my managers before anything was a lawyer um and yeah I don't know I I just I was really scared honestly I didn't know what was happening it was exciting but I definitely had a lot to learn like I remember my dad bought a book about the music industry, like a really giant book and just was reading it every day, just learning everything that he could. Um, and then I kind of relied on him for things. And then once I got my team in place, um, I just, yeah, it, it's, it's a lot more, 
complicated than people realize. Um, and it took me probably like two years to even start actually understanding it myself. So I don't, I don't think I really like knew the logistics of everything until I was probably like 18. So it's pretty crazy. Yeah, I guess at that point, because I'm just remembering back to my like 16 year old self and I was so far removed from any sort of like reality of what I was trying to pursue. Right. And so did you know when you were signing, did you feel like you had a good understanding of like, all right, this is what I'm getting and this is what I'm giving away. Like that exchange. Ooh. <laughs> Um, I also like didn't even know what kind of artist I was or wanted to be. I had one song that technically on paper wasn't even mine, even though I did write and compose it. It wasn't like I I was like, OK, I can now I can do whatever I want, I guess. But like, what do I want to do? I didn't have any direction. Um, so I had to figure all that out. And then also I was in high school. Like I had to was like, OK, do I move to L.A.? Like, what do I do with my life now? So it was very it was definitely confusing. I don't think I understood. I, I actually wrote a, like, not an actual song, but I was just writing something in my notes the other day about how I feel like every single decision, somehow every single decision that I've made in my entire life has been the wrong one. Like, every <laughs> single one since I since I started, like, being an adult. Like, I, I would have probably signed a different deal. Um, I probably would have, like, released different music or made different music if I knew the things that I know now. Um, but it's like, I didn't, and you can't go back and change the past, but yeah, I definitely had no fucking idea about anything, no clue. So, well, I think it becomes like, it's all a journey, Yeah, which is such a cliche way to put it, but it's the only thing that came to my mind. But it's, I think if you don't look back at past releases and feel like, oh, why did I release that? What was I thinking? then you're not growing. It's one of those things where if I look back at my first releases and was super stoked on them, it, it there would be a discrepancy. And so at least artistically, I mean, I can't imagine doing it so young, but it, it feels like a very slow process to gaining the confidence to then gaining like your own voice, especially like you said, your first song was attached to somebody else. So what was it like from a creative perspective? Because previous to that, you had done everything on your own, injecting people into the creative process and learning how to collaborate and co-write with people. And how, I guess, how did that feel? Because if it's such an intimate process, it can feel uncomfortable. Well, at first, like my first ever session was with this guy. Uh, I think his name was Tommy. He's a producer. There was no other writer or anything. I was like, I don't want to work with any other writers. I was like, so against working with writers. I did not want to collaborate with people. And I think I kind of rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. I mean, I was like this weird, depressed 16 year old that's never been in a session before. Like, obviously <laughs> I'm gonna be weird, it's scary. Um, so yeah, I would go in with like a producer and it would just literally be us in the room and I would just write to whatever they were doing. And like, I wouldn't give any notes. I wouldn't ask any questions. I would just be like, yeah, cool. And then I would just write and just sing and just leave. It was like, I, it took me a lot of sessions to really start wanting to collaborate with people and not just like, oh, this is the track I'm writing to. Cool. I'll write to this track and then see what happens. Like it was, uh, it was definitely a process. I'd never 
I had a song in the top 10 on Billboard and I had never been in a writing session. Like, what? That's not normal. <laughs> like, nothing <laughs> about this was normal. So, and I don't know what people, were, if people were expecting anything from me. Like, if, I don't know what, and but I'm sure I did not meet any of those expectations. <laughs> um, and yeah, a lot of producers, like, didn't like me for a while because I was just a little demon like I just didn't I didn't want to collaborate with anyone and I and I was also really like I had a lot of anxiety and I like I didn't go to therapy like I needed to I didn't like get a proper diagnosis for myself and I just like it it's it's easy to blame your behavior on a mental illness but once you get diagnosed and figure your shit out like you can't you can't blame like you you it's something you have to work on it's something you can't like act a certain way just because you have something mentally wrong with you like you can't drag other people into your bullshit and that's what I also had to realize like I can't just go into a session and be an asshole to people they don't know what's going on <laughs> with me like they don't care I'm being mean and they don't understand why and they just think I'm a bitch I learned a lot for sure well I feel like it's both and it's you can't drag people into your shit, but also we're all just doing the best we can at the same time. And ideally, I don't know, the versions of ourselves continue to grow and we continue to get better. Definitely. But did you feel like there was a pressure to recreate the success of I hate you, I love you when you were writing? Or did you feel like there was a moment or a song that you wrote that kind of made you feel like, okay, I'm gaining my own voice. I'm gaining my own perspective as an artist. Um, I honestly didn't feel any pressure because it wasn't my song technically. Like I, my, it was like, to the world I was just like the featured artist on it so I could kind of start I was like okay cool I'm just gonna start from the bottom and like try to build my own fan base because I I just have this one thing I just have this one song and it got really big people don't really know anything about me I don't really know what kind of music I want to make and at the time I was really only listening to like super like R&B music like that was the only thing I listened to and that's what I wanted to make I wanted to make I mean still pop but like more R&B leaning and like inspired so like my first couple of songs that I put out, like Trust Issues, um, I think showcases that a lot. That was the first single I put out after I Hate You, I Love You. And um, yeah, I just, I, I mean, looking back, I probably would not, I don't know if I would have gone in that direction. And uh, I mean, I don't really make necessarily that kind of stuff anymore. Occasionally I do. Um, I kind of make everything now, but yeah, I, I think it was an interesting choice for me to go from a piano ballad to like an R&B leaning pop song where I like have like uh, more of like a, I almost like rap a little bit in it. So it was, it was interesting. Um, but yeah, after like, I think after I released my song Empty, that was when I kind of was like, okay, people, people are interested. People are liking this. People are relating to me and like, I'm I'm building something here um, and then it just continued um, to do that and I don't and I never want to put pressure on myself I never want to like go into anything with the intention of like oh this is going to be a hit or I want to have a hit like I think that's just setting yourself up for disappointment why would I want to do that I don't want to like I've never been like oh I'm going to win a Grammy before I'm 25 or like I'm going to do like I don't like to set 
specific goals like that. And I know a lot of people do and they think that's healthy for them, but it's just so not healthy for me. Because if I, and if I put out a song and being like, this is my single, then I'll just like drive myself insane. I don't want to do that. And I never, I never call anything really the single. If someone asks me and they're like, what song is the single? I'm like, ask my label. Like they think this is the single. The single, <clears throat> the song that was the single on my second micro mixtape was supposed to be, was it all in my head? Jocelyn is infinitely better and did infinitely better. I always liked that one more. I just, I'm like, okay, you want that to be, the, you want, was it all my head to be the single? Okay, cool. Like just whatever, mm-hmm. whatever. And then it, Jocelyn just happened naturally. I like things to happen naturally, even though that might not always be the best idea because sometimes you do have to like push stuff. But there is a push and pull being signed to a label, right? And I guess that's one of the things that you give away. And so I'm curious within that experience, what do you think being signed to a label has given you? Because obviously they offer a lot of resource. And then I guess in what way do you feel like you've had to compromise and perhaps navigate and navigate with and around them? Um, there's a lot. Right now I'm like kind of not the happiest with my situation just because we don't I, I said this earlier but we don't have the label head and it's just everything's a mess they like laid off half of the label dropped half of the artists which you know a lot of the people that were on my team that were doing my marketing and my digital and all that stuff they're not there anymore so I'm like I have no resources and I feel like it's always been like like hurry up and wait with them it's like okay we're gonna do this project and it's gonna be so great and oh I love this song this is it this is the song and then they make me wait like six months to put out my project and then by the time it's out it's like we're all over it I'm over it and then they don't like push it or any like they don't do any and then it all everything falls onto me all the time and then like whenever something does happen it's always because I did something like I was posting Jocelyn on TikTok every day. I was doing like, because I was bored in quarantine and it, it popped off and they, that wasn't, they all told me not to even release that song. Like, I just feel like it's, it's always so like people think and labels, especially think they know what they're talking about, but no one does. No one really knows if a song is going to pop off. No one really knows what song is going to do what or how it's going to happen. You can have hunches and sometimes they'll be right, but I feel like I've kind of pushed my own like thoughts aside a lot because of what my label has said, and it always turns out incorrect. <laughs> so um, yeah, that's kind of what I've learned. And then I learned to just do whatever I want and hope it works out for me because at least it's my fault if it doesn't, right? And not somebody else's, that I, and I don't have any resentment. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the sweet spot. It's the idea that, like, you collaborate when you have to collaborate, but ultimately no one actually knows what they're doing. I think that's the theme of this podcast overall. It's like no one knows what they're doing. We're all trying, and we're throwing things at the wall, and then, like, the algorithm changes, and we're like, oh, shit, I guess I'm going to throw something at this other wall. But that's kind of the beauty is, like, opening up to that vulnerability that like we're all just trying to build the careers and lives that we want to have and then share the art with other people. Um, but as you've grown as an artist 
how do you find that you balance like the innate more emotional side of writing with like the craft of songwriting and at least having some sort of commercial release exist in the periphery? I don't. I don't balance it. <laughs> I don't balance it well. Um, mm-hmm. I always find myself in situations like trying to inspire myself because I get really bad writer's block. Like right now I haven't I haven't gone into a session. I haven't written anything in a, in a long time. I Sometimes I'll go in my notes and write little snippets here and there and little things. But I just have not been inspired. And it upsets me because I'm like, oh, I need to go ruin my life or do something crazy and like I I keep wanting to to hurt not hurt myself like physically but like go put myself into situations I know I'll be hurt in because I can write music about it and like I I think it's something that I've always needed to work on and I've recently been trying but it you know the pandemic everything just makes everything harder um but yeah I need to work on being able to write and from a more just like, okay, I'm writing today and not like a, how am I feeling? Like, what do I need to get out? Like just, and, and everyone's always told me that like my, my NR, my old NR and my current NR, it's like, okay, like what you writing is a craft and you have to, you have to work on it. And, and it's like a, a skill that you just have to keep going. And eventually it'll just be like super, super natural. Even if you're not feeling what you're writing necessarily in the moment, that's always been really hard for me. Um, and it also is weird releasing music that is so personal to me all the time because then it's out there and then people are talking about it and like, who's it about? What's it about? And they all assume they know and they make up stories and they're like, and then they talk about it in the comments. And they're like, oh, well, I heard she said this. Like, no, she did. She really said it. And I'm like, I literally never said that. And they're like, no, she really did. Like, she said it once. And then someone's like, really awesome. Cool. I believe that. I'm like, okay, Cool. So it's weird putting like when all of the art that I make is so like personal to me because I don't think of writing as like a skill and a craft yet. And then it's out in the world. It's just like the weirdest thing ever. But But it is a both and. And I kind of call BS, especially for an artist like you, because what I love about your music is like how candid and transparent you are. And quite frankly, like blunt in your portrayal of like your depression and your emotional state and kind of like you're the satire of the LA lifestyle in a lot of ways. And I think that when you write super personal music, like I would rather hear less music from an artist who writes from that perspective, knowing that all of it's coming out and real and natural and feels good versus like, I think you can tell when there's the veneer sometimes. And there are a few artists that do the veneer super well. But that being said, it's like, I like the bluntness and the rough edges and knowing that like, all right, now this shit's coming from like your chest, you know, and you feel it. So that's my two cents on that because I feel the similar way. I, I, there's, there's the songwriting craft when you're finishing a song and working on production, but those initial ideas... They're gold, like, and I don't know where they come from, like the muse or the heavens or wherever. Like, I feel like I don't even write them. Yeah, I always used to think that I was just destined and doomed to never be in a happy relationship, so that I could write. Because all of these people, all of these, especially like young girls that are like my age or younger than me, and they are, or even older than me too, but they're all relating 
to my music and they I get so many messages like this is exactly how I felt like it's like you're inside my brain like I really really needed this and I'm like this is my job this is my calling I am here to get hurt by all the fuck boys <laughs> so that I can provide the music and and write my feelings that everyone has but not everyone can put into words and I always I always thought that I was like this is my karmic debt I'm paying off to the universe I still kind of think that sometimes <laughs> but yeah, also maybe, like, what I've thought about, because I, I do always want to, like, you know, like you said, like, say it with my chest. Like, I want to really believe everything that I'm singing about, and I want to feel it, and I want it to relate to me. And I don't want to have to keep ruining my life. So I was like, maybe I'll write, like, about my best friends, because then it's like I still really feel it. Because I, I get really, like, if someone fucks with my best friends, like, it's over. So I'm like, I've been trying to do that a little bit more. But I think I think there is a balance that I will hopefully find one day of, like, I don't need to consistently ruin my life and I can still find things that I will be passionate about enough to like actually write it. And all the times I'll I'll sometimes write a song that is really good objectively. Like I'll be like, okay, this is a cool song, but like, I just never want to put it out because it just, I don't relate to it. Like, I'm like, I don't care about this. Like with Jocelyn, I cared about that song so much. It was so personal and it was crazy that I even put it out to like, it was, I was like, I can't believe I'm putting this out because it's so, 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 so personal. And it did the best of any of the songs I put out in the past five years, other than I hate you, I love you. But that was like maybe what, six years ago? I don't know, that's crazy. Anyway, I'm rambling. <laughs> no, but I think it's so apt again to just the idea that like you go with this gut feeling wherever it lands you. And like, as long as you can sleep at night with the art that you're creating and the world that you're building. And that's what I also love about your project. It's like, you are building such a world and I read somewhere about like the tally marks on your arm for like all the fuck boys who you know fucked with you um right and and all of this kind of broader symbolism like I feel like I, I met you and Max at like a Grammy party like years ago and you had purple hair and I, I remember really vividly you kind of telling the full story of the world you were building with the purple hair and everything being purple and like all of the meaning behind that and so I'm curious how important is it for you to create those worlds and and what are you trying to provide for your fans in those worlds? Um, I always just look for meaning in things, in life, in anything. I believe in the universe. I believe in signs and um, all of that stuff that a lot of people probably think is stupid. Um, and I love like double meanings for things. I love when when I start liking something or I start noticing something and then I, I notice that it also kind of represents something else in my life or another, it just has another, it can take another meaning. And I think that's, that's always really, really cool to me and special. And it's almost like another sign from the universe, like that, that it's important in my life if it has multiple meanings to me. Um, and that's kind of what I've done. I feel like for all of my projects, like, like with episodes, um, it's about, it's the double meaning of like, I like to live my life as if it's a movie or a TV show or like I am just, I'm being dramatic and like I, I want my life to be fun. I don't want to feel like I missed out on anything. Um, and I like to have those little dramatic moments where I pretend I'm in a movie and I do that way more often than I probably should. <laughs> and I always have. Um, and then also an episode is like, you know, oh, she's having, she's having another episode. Like I've always, that's always been something like 
I've struggled with mental health and mental illness since I was, I mean, I don't, God knows how long, but like diagnosed since I was 11. And I, um, yeah, it just kind of represents like me having an episode, having another episode and like being crazy and like people being like, oh, she's whatever. And then also this like moment of me being the main character. I hate saying that because now it's become so like, oh, the main character <laughs> moment. But that's what it is, like being the star of my own movie. Um, and then also it represents like each song can be different because it's its own episode. It's its own thing. Um, and there's still a story being told, but each song sonically is different. Lyrically is pretty different. Um, just the, the way that I wrote each song is very different. I had different inspirations. I was going through different things at the time. Um, and I always want to be able to do whatever I want and not be put into a box. Um, I'm all about freedom, I guess. Um, the creative freedom and just being able to do literally whatever I want. I don't want someone to be like, oh, well, you only make songs that sound like I hate you, I love you. Or will you only make songs that sound like Jocelyn? Like, oh, I make songs that sound like whatever I want because I'm into a lot of things. I'm interested in, I'm inspired by different types of music and different styles of music and different styles of clothing and different people and different, like, I just love a lot of different things. And um, yeah, that's, that's uh, pretty much it. <laughs> Well, but that's what I love about you is that you can sonically and visually go in all of these different directions, kind of tying back to what we were talking about before, because your voice and perspective are so spot on, right? And so uniquely you that like that gets to be the cohesive through line, at least for me as a listener, like going through all of the projects. It's like, oh. I can see these different tangents and these different roads that you're going down, but it all feels very like, all right, this is Olivia O'Brien. Like, this is the world. And it's just like, but what scene are we in? That's dependent on, I guess, whatever mood you're in or whatever you want to be doing. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's like what I intended for it. So I'm happy that you like feel that and picked up on that. I, and I, like back to the whole like writing thing, I feel like it, as long as I'm being honest, um, I'd be honest <laughs> as long as I'm being honest about how I'm feeling and like being true to myself and saying what I want to say it's all going to sound like me it's all going to be clearly my like voice um not like my singing voice but like my you know my voice um so I, I you know that's what I like that's what I want to portray to people so hopefully hopefully other people are on the same wave <laughs> so we you talked about depression You've talked about it a bunch, but obviously that's something that you deal with and I identify with deeply and profoundly. But I'm curious, do you view depression and sadness as the same thing or like two separate states? I mean, like you can be depressed and be sad, but and you can be sad and not be depressed. But if you're depressed, then you're probably sad. <laughs> yeah absolutely I guess in flipping like the script on that because obviously dealing with any sort of mental issues depression etc it's inherently difficult but how do you utilize that experience both past experience and when you're in it as like a tool to propel you forward sometimes 
it doesn't it does not propel me and it just ruins <laughs> my life and all I want to do is curl up in a ball and die um but I also recently got diagnosed with OCD and that like changed my perspective on a lot of things because I never thought that was something like I never even it never crossed my mind that I could even have OCD like I it, I it, people think of it as like oh I need to stay organized blah, blah blah it's like not what it is I mean it can be but it's not how mine uh manifests but um yeah I don't know I I think it inspires me a lot my my mental illness inspires me that sounds so fucked up it doesn't sound fucked up I think that that's why I asked the question right because I think that so much it's like oh well like you have chronic depression, so that's so unfortunate for you. And from my perspective, I'm like, yeah, I mean, it sucks. I'm not, I don't wish it on my worst enemy. But that being said, when I'm in it, it doesn't propel me, same page. But the idea that like for a broader context on what the human experience is, it actually provides a lot of insight to writing and it provides like a different perspective on existence and why we're here and all of these interactions that we have as humans and so it's good it also makes me at least me personally I think a lot of people probably would feel this way but like it makes you more empathetic to other people because you like like my friends that have never been depressed and like yeah they've been sad they've been through things but they've never like had depression if someone if they see someone that's going through something like that or, or struggling with a mental illness of any kind, I feel like I'm more likely to understand and, and be sympathetic for those people and like not get upset with them versus like they might not, like other people that have never experienced that might not understand. They might not just because they don't have the knowledge to be like, oh, this is why this person's acting this way. Whereas I'll be like apologetic of others and for their actions <laughs> because I just like relate to it. And I, that's like, I, I, mean, I think it probably could be a bad thing, I guess, if I'm forgiving people all the time. But I like to think of it as a positive trait of, like, I can be understanding people. And um, I really appreciate the, the perspective that my mental illness has given me. I'm going to put my mental illness inspires me on a T-shirt. That's, like, really, really <laughs> good. New, new Olivia O'Brien merch. <laughs> my mental illness inspires me. So how do you deal with kind of when you're in a state maybe like a depressive state or like a difficult OCD state um when you have to be kind of public facing right when you have to be actively promoting something actively on tour um how do you kind of navigate that because I feel like it can be extremely uncomfortable having to ride that line being in therapy and being on medication has really really helped me um it hasn't like you know, gotten rid of my problems, but I feel like I've learned how to like shorten the span of whenever I do have a, an episode, whenever I am. Like the other day, I had a really, 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 really bad day, like just awful. And I, I've just learned all my like coping mechanisms, I guess. Like I have to let myself just get into all the feelings in order to get rid of them. So like, what I did the other day is I just turned my phone off for like two hours and I started rewatching Grey's Anatomy. Like I'll watch something that like That's really fair. just hits me and just like that I know is going to make me feel a certain way that I can get really into. So I guess restarted Grey's Anatomy and it was like 5 p.m. And I was like, I'm just going to close my eyes and listen to Grey's Anatomy and just curl up in a ball and just be sad for two hours. And then, um, and then I felt better afterwards because I 
just like let myself feel everything. And then I went to the movies with my friend that I hadn't seen in a while. Um, it's like, I, I think it's kind of st- shitty, but distracting yourself really, really helps for me. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's it's hard, especially like sometimes I really can't fix it in time and I'll still be really not in a great place and have to do something like do an interview or something. Um, and that sucks because then I'm just like irritable and, um, I feel like I'm not usually like if once I get to talking, I can kind of get myself out of it. But like, I remember I had a call with like a bio writer a couple months ago and I was not having a good day. <laughs> it was all bad. And I was just the whole time she was asking me questions. I was like, yeah, um, like, yeah, I guess like everything like sucks. Like it was so, I was like, and as I was doing it, I knew I was like, oh, I'm being so annoying right now, but I can't not be annoying because I feel like shit. Um, so yeah. sometimes it just, sometimes it just isn't working out, but I try, I've been trying, I think I've gotten a lot better. I used to like, I used to be in a bad place for days or weeks even. And now it's like, okay, in a couple hours, I'm literally on the verge of like mental breakdown, but then it gets better. So balance i'm laughing in identification not at you (laughs) only because i didn't like it was like some mtv interview thing and i was just like in a catatonic depression and i i read that interview back and i was like oh my god i was just like she picked up on it oh it was like a kill myself interview it was dark and i was like why did they publish this they should have just dropped it (laughs) yeah if i'm in one of those moods if i can cancel something it's getting canceled because like, yeah but sometimes you just can't and my managers are like you gotta do it and i'm like but you're like all right let's go if i can give yourself a slap but being i guess in our industry and especially just like where i feel like things are heading to so much activity on social media so much engagement so much uh behind the scenes of your own personal life, et cetera. Like, how do you feel about, I guess not even pressure, like the necessity of all of that interaction and access to be able to kind of have the career and share your art in the way that you do? I mean, like with anything in life, social media has good and it has evil. And I definitely have struggled since, I mean, I was on Instagram before I even started doing music and everything. So like, I've always been on social media since it's been like formative part of my life. Um, And it's always kind of been a source of like pain for me. (laughs) Like when I was in high school, people were mean to me on social media. And then once I started doing music and stuff like, there were more people being mean to me on social media. And then every time something happens, there's more people being mean to me on social media. And like, it's scary because people just can assume whatever they want about you. Like someone can just go make up a whole story. One time someone posted, a, like some website said that when I was 15, I had a child with Nash and his name was Morissetti Nash. <laughs> like people believe it. Um, like, First of all, whoever came up with that name, it was spelled so funny. I was like, this person is trolling so hard and I respect it. But people like believed it. And that was what was crazy. Like 
someone can literally just be like, oh, Olivia O'Brien once said that she hates all children and like people will believe it. Like you never, like it's crazy that people can just do that and say whatever they want and believe whatever they want. And then when you are, I try to be open on social media because I want people to see that I'm a real person. I don't want to ever be the cause of someone's like, oh, like, why can't I be more like that? Or like, cause I've always, I've always felt that. So I don't want to be that for people. I always want people to know like, oh, I'm, hey, I'm having a bad day. Or like, this is me and this, this is what I do. And I just want to be as normal as possible. But then when you do that, you're obviously still not showing everything because you have to, you know, keep some things personal. Um, and also it'd be pretty impossible for me to post every single thing that I'm doing. I think that would be pretty annoying for people. <laughs> um, but what, when you are open and you have this, this image of like, oh, I'm, I'm the open person on social media and I'm honest and whatever. Then people think they know you even more when they don't. And then it opens the door for them to make even more assumptions about you because they're like, oh, well, I know her. She's the kind of person that she wouldn't do that. Or like, no, like that doesn't seem like her. It's like, you don't really know me. And I would love it if you did. I would love every single person in the world could understand me. Um, But that's just not reality and it's not going to happen. And there's a lot of people that are going to not understand me and not get it. And that I think is the most terrifying part of sharing everything on social media and also, if I didn't have to rely on social media for my career, if it wasn't such a huge part of everything, I probably wouldn't be on it because I, yeah, it's scary sometimes, but uh, I'm getting better at it. I'm getting better at like not uh, letting the hate get to me and trying to manage like keeping a boundary for like what I post and what I share, but while still trying to be honest and open with people that care what I do so yeah I love that I also would absolutely not be on social media or ever take another video of myself where I have to hold it like this it's my least favorite thing yeah it's actually my worst nightmare and the most anxiety producing thing about what I do in my life and the pressure of like having to look cute like for that stuff yeah. and like I don't sometimes I don't want to look cute sometimes I don't want to do it and I have to do it and then I ugh. that's like the most lame thing to complain about ever but it's like <laughs> annoying when being when how you look is a part of your job like I didn't want it to be a part of my job but like because I have to be on social media all the time like I'm not a model like don't, why do I have to be cute so annoying anyway but also the the idea that you have to be constantly interesting yeah right it's like there were some there were some stints of the pandemic where I was like, I've worn this hoodie every day for nine days. I am super depressed. Like I am barely washing my face. And the idea that it's like, oh, be engaging, right? And go because you have to kind of perpetuate all of these stats and you have to continue to grow your fan base, right? Because everything is so ever-changing. And yeah, it's it's just become a lot. And I think that in, in the ecosystem of how artists balance, right, artistry and their lives and the business that they're building, it's it's just added a level of complexity because it's a necessary evil, but it does kind of eat into the life and personal well-being aspect of that trifecta. And it's crazy because it's like, I wouldn't have my career if I didn't have social media. Like I tweeted my cover at Nash and I posted on SoundCloud and like all this stuff was because of the internet. 
And so there are such great things about it. And we can connect more with fans and people can discover us on social media. And that's why it's so important. But then it's like, it's like, does the good outweigh the bad? Like, probably. That's why I'm still on it. But also, mm-hmm. like, how do we know? I don't know. It's it's such a new territory for the entire world, too, that it's really crazy that we're all a part of this. And, like, no one really knows what is going to happen in the end or, like, what the long-term effects of, like, this could have, like, a crazy effect on our mental health. Like, I, it's giving, I, I think, like, attention spans are becoming really short and, like, just weird, crazy things are happening in our brain just because of this new way that we're navigating life. It's just, who knows, man? Yeah, it's, it's honestly, it's all pressure and it's all wild. And we're all here on the ride together. Did you feel like you had to kind of be in a certain scene or in a certain lifestyle when you moved to LA? Because what I love, I think it's fuck feelings. It's the one that, uh, it's not so deep that EP feels like such a satire on the whole like LA celebrity lifestyle down to the cover of like the Barbie in the pool. You should, I wish you could hear the, the songs that didn't make it onto that project from that time period, (laughs) because they like, if you think that was that, like, I have a song called Black Range Over that's literally just me like shitting on all Instagram models and everyone in LA. Like I literally say like sugar bear hair gummies and like fucking all the shit that like people were like promoting at that time. It is the most out of pocket thing I've ever made probably. Um, And I have a song called White Girl Wasted about like how everyone just goes and gets fucked up. And it's like, um, like, did it even happen if you can't remember? Like, what's the point? Like, why? Like, I don't know. It's, it was like, I was going off. I didn't put, I might, I want to put that stuff out at some point. Like, it's just not what I make anymore, but like, it's so you fucking funny. Like, I want to put, I've talked to my managers about this, like putting out like a mixtape on SoundCloud of like all my old shit from when I was like 17. Um, Cause it's fucking funny. Um, but yeah, I, I, when I first came to LA, oh God, I had the, like this one girl just, tried to make my life a living hell and that was my introduction to like okay so I got bullied in high school and I thought that coming to LA like maybe people would be a little nicer which why did I think that (laughs) I was like this is high school bully times a billion this girl is she is satan um and that just a lot of the stuff was inspired by her and the things that she tried to do to me. And then like, I would just see her blatantly lie about all the stuff. And I was like, Oh my God. And then like, not only is this happening, it's like people that are fans and are watching all of us. Like they have no idea that this girl is doing this, like not a clue. So that was just a really interesting thing. Cause it's like, people are so crazy here and no one even knows a lot of the time. Like, People and that and that goes back to like people think that they know these people because they're posting all these things like oh I'm so nice, but then they're doing all this crazy shit and it was so weird because I had seen all these people on social media before I ever started making music and I always looked up to a lot of them and it was so crazy that I finally got to hang out with them and then I just got over it I was like this isn't fun and then I kind of started to find my like friend group and even now I always notice like people 
people that I'm friends with will kind of like trail back off into the like trying to be in the scene moment and get caught up in their little thing. They usually come back, but I just kind of let them go. Like, go, go do your little thing. Um, but I don't care about any of that shit anymore. And I used to care so much. And I wanted to have all the designer things and all the cool stuff and whatever and post in my little fit pics and be a fashion girl. And I was like, this is not, this is not for me. <laughs> it's just not sustainable, right? It's like all these kids that also, that's the thing is like, all these people that I was meeting, or not all of them, but a lot of them, like they have so much money from their families or like they've been in this game for a long time. They have all this money. Like people that I was finding myself wanting to like be like, or like, I guess it almost became like a competition sometimes. Like they have billionaire parents. Like I should not, I should not be spending my first ever check on, on a Gucci backpack, but am I? Yes. Like it's stupid. And now I like literally don't buy any, I haven't bought like a designer thing in so long. Cause I like, and that was all I wanted to ever do. I wasted so much money, like so much money. It's crazy. When I started making money, I remember when I got brought my first business manager on and he's like, you're good. Like, you're fine. He's just like, you don't have Gucci money yet. And, and I really always appreciated that. But it is because we live in such a culture of both comparison and cosine. Right. And so it's the idea that like the cosine holds so much value and is such currency but also that comes with the detrimental side of comparison. And it's, you assume that if they have a Gucci bag, I should have a Gucci bag. And right, we're constantly looking at each other and sizing each other up, but we're only sizing each other up based on the veneer of what we're portraying. Mm -hmm. And in a world where social media is at the forefront of everything and it's appearances, like you post a photo in, in that $5,000 jacket and you're suddenly, like, people think, that that's like a normal thing for you, even if you only have like one, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or even if you returned it afterwards, right? There's, it's, it's like, it's all smoke and mirrors in a way, but I find it fascinating. It is fascinating, but it's also based on insecurity. Like I was so insecure and that's why I felt like I wanted to like fit in with everyone and do this thing. And now that I like, like, it's like, I needed that validation. I needed to, people to like, because I didn't think anyone would see me as like the, a real artist or like I was just this random girl that was never cool in high school and was always looking up to all these people that I'm now around and they don't know that. I, if I just had confidence and acted like a normal person, I'm sure they would have thought that I was cool. And like I had a hit song at the time, like they probably thought that was cool, right? But in my mind, I was like, oh my God, like I'm so not cool, I'm so not cool, I'm so not cool. So I wanted, I tried really hard to be cool. And now... I'm a lot more confident in myself. And like, if I'm not cool, I don't care if I'm not cool. Like I'm just doing whatever I want. And now I don't have to put on a front for anything. Cause I just like, if I like something, I'll buy it. If I don't like it, I won't. And I usually, I wear stuff that brands send me in the mail every day. Like I don't even go shopping anywhere. It's so bad. That's not bad. That's the dream. But it's like, I just don't like, I can't believe the things that I care about. It's really crazy looking back. But also I was a teenager. Like, most people make these mistakes in high school and college, and I was making them in, like, Bootsy Bellows. <laughs> it's, all, it's all, like, a part of the process, and I think that the idea that it's, it's like, a, an arc of growth of, right, because I have, I mean, similar but extremely different 
like road than yours but like I've always been an independent artist for instance like I never signed uh intentionally and it's like I've always just had this weird insecurity because of it because like I don't exist within this kind of major label ecosystem and recognizing that like oh shit you don't need the things that you think because you know interfacing with artists one-on-one like we talked about before there's a fuck ton of things that are wrong with labels that then you you kind of have to navigate and so the grass is green and fucking dying in everyone's yard both all my plants are dying for instance but thank you so much for coming on and just being so candid with me this is literally why I started this podcast and to end I feel like you keep posting on your socials that you want to start your own podcast I'm recording I'm recording my first episode right after this are you uh can I ask what the motivation is to start your own podcast and the general theme you don't have to give away too much so I've always wanted to make a podcast since like I found notes in my phone I've had like podcast section of my notes for a really long time and it goes back to like 2017 but I think I made my first demo episode in 2018 um and then I just never did anything with it but I just love talking and I love going on people's podcasts like I love talking I will talk about anything I and I I want a place for all of these thoughts to exist because I I write them all in my notes and stuff but like I want people to hear them and I don't want to post all that stuff on Instagram all the time because like people that follow me didn't sign up for that but if people want to listen to the things that I have to say I would love for them to listen and to like we can talk about it together and like um it can start new conversations I just love talking about things I just love it I will ramble on and on and on and on and I have so many just thoughts all the time about literally everything and like I like we were talking about like people don't really know what's going on ever and I have all this insight to this world that people are so intrigued by I might as well talk about it um and so yeah it's kind of there's not really really a concept um there's kind of a concept I don't want to say that it has to do with the title and the title kind of has like a little segment that I'll do that like ties into it but I don't want to give that away just in case I do change it Mm -hmm. um but yeah I'm really really excited I'm really excited and it's I don't know if I'm going to do guests or anything like that for a while um if at all I just want to (laughs) like ramble on um but eventually eventually I probably will so yeah it should be interesting we'll see how it goes Anatomy of an Artist is a podcast created, recorded, and edited by me, Verite. It was produced by Vanessa Magos with the help of Yesenia Bonilla. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.